This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Monday, but we are going to talk briefly about mums. I guess we've all had mums, even if we're not all mums yet. Um, and there are different sorts of mums, as Sophie said. But we are going to um, just chat about family life, and we are in no way saying that how we've done family life is the only way to do it, and that it's the perfect way to do it because we are far from perfect, and you know, we've had some great things that have gone on with our kids, and we've had some disasters as well. Um, so we just hope that you may be able to take a few things away and think, oh, that was interesting, might try that, or definitely wouldn't work with our family. Um, so we have, for those of you who don't know us, we have three children who are now 20. We've got a son, Zach, who's now 23, Damaris is nearly 20, and Jotham is 21. So that was when we were living in Salford in near Manchester, and that was when they were all primary aged. Uh, yeah, so we had three children in three and a I had three children in three and a half years. <laughs> um, which um, nearly tipped me over the edge. Lots of benefits of having children close together, but hard work. And um, our kids were very energetic, very strong-willed, very lively. They were like puppies that needed at least at least one, if not two, runarounds outside a, de- um, a day. So I don't want you to feel like you can look at pictures and think, oh, they must have had really easy kids. Our kids are like us. That tends to happen. So we didn't have particularly easy kids. We had very strong-willed kids. So, first point, have fun, enjoy the journey. Um, Parenting can be really hard work. There's lots of... um, There are lots of things that are hard work about parenting, particularly when your children are young, but it goes really quickly. And I'm one of those old ladies saying that now. People said that to me, just enjoy it. And I thought, I'm just trying to endure it. And I'm just (laughs) trying to get to the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the year, next year they'll be easier. And it's very easy to kind of wish away each phase, but it does go really quickly. And in amongst all the sleepless nights and exhaustion and the training and the disciplining and the things that go wrong, um, you know, you want to have great fun and build memories. We did loads and loads of outdoor things. Um, We just did lots of walks. Our kids were really into dressing up. We used to go out in the woods and they'd be wearing their capes and the Lord of the Rings Rings things. (laughs) And yeah, and holidays are obviously great. so enjoy it, because it does go really quickly. Great, brilliant. Okay, so I just so the next point is that we belong to two families. Um, you'll find that name is all the touchy-feely and I'm the kind of conceptual stuff. Uh, <laughs> but we belong to two families, and, and, and families are really positive 
force in, in, in community. And as we've talked over the last few weeks about the sort of undermining of, uh, of marriage and family, you know, I, I, I want to affirm the importance of family. And so to, if you're in the trenches of doing family, or if you come out of the trenches and you've got the grey hair to show for it of doing family, you know, well done. Uh, you've all been part of a family. And, and so, so the nuclear, or the, uh, the nuclear sounds like it's about to explode, which is probably true for our family, but the kind of natural family it is a really positive force. But our, our, our society's got sort of two opposing views uh, about uh, society. So, so one, and you can find these in movies, you know, if you want to look around for movie clips, you can find one where family life is this kind of straitjacket where it, it's, it reduces your, your choice, your autonomy. Because, you know, family life means you have to compromise and family life means you can't do what you want. And family life when you've got kids means that you have to sacrifice time and energy for your kids. So, so, so sometimes society presents it as a straitjacket, as it were, keeping, free, keeping you from what you want. And then the other, the other uh, extreme, or perhaps the other angle, is that family life is the centre of everything. That, that, you know, that, that, that family is everything. That, that you know, everything works through, 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 through the nuclear family. And, and that, that, you know, that if you're single, our society tells you, and I thought Stan did a great job a few weeks ago, our society tells you, if you're married and in that family... You know, everything's going to be happy. Uh, you know, the, it's almost a f- uh, family as opposed to keeping you from what you want, promises to give you everything you want. And, and although we're, we're really family positive here, I, I think that there's a, a, a thing in our society where we can, we can make the family everything. And so, so, the, so the point is we actually belong to two families. So Jesus doesn't uh, kind of take either point of view. He sort of says that the, 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 the biological family needs to sit inside uh, the, the, the church family. It needs to sit inside, not the institutional church family, but the relational church family. Do you understand the difference between that, okay? So Jesus says this, and this is like hugely controversial. It sounds like he really hates his mom. You know, it sounds like, whoa. So he says this in Mark 3. 32, Jesus' disciples, it says, were sitting around him, and they told him, your mother, that's Mary, holy, you know, Mary, venerated, you know, uh, by Catholics, uh, mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus says, who are my mother and brothers? Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and says, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever follows God is my brother and sister and mother. Now that's not because he didn't care about his mother. So at the moment that he's dying on the cross uh, and he knows that he's going to rise again and ascend to heaven, he speaks to one of his best friends, John, and says, John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. He had concern for that family. So it's not like he's against the family, but he's saying, no, no, we need to belong to, we belong to two families. We belong to the biological family and we belong to God's family. And so that we're, we're both parents, if we are a parent, uh, and sons and daughters of, of our natural parents. But if you're a Christian, you also belong to the, the big family. And Jesus seems to say it's the big church family uh, uh, the relationships of the big church family that, that's, that, that demands our primary allegiance. And that is quite countercultural. Jesus is saying the big church family is the one where you find your primary relationships. So, so, so you, you know, love your kids and love your family, but, but Jesus says don't center there. The natural family sits inside the big church family, and the two are not competing rivals. 
It's not like, well, I've got a choice. Do I, do I invest in my family or do I belong to a community of the church? And we see those as competing rivals. I don't think that they're competing rivals. They need to sit together almost like kind of Russian dolls. And, and so don't think of family as self-sufficient or self-contained. Actually, we try to uh, have a great uh, natural family, but we try to involve the wider church family. And Naomi's going to talk about that. Okay, so we didn't ever live near our families. Um, once I left home at 18, I never lived, I, the nearest I lived was here actually an hour and a bit away. We've lived sort of three hours away from our family. So in one sense, we didn't have the option of going back to mum and dad at a crisis. Um, but even then, I remember thinking I can always be on the phone to my parents but actually, I'm part of a, a church community, and I want to invest emotionally in my friendships in church so that they are my support, they're my emotional support, they're also, when we had young children, our practical support. So we very much had um, an open home. We, we were fortunate in Manchester, we had a really huge house. We always had people living with us. We had whole families living with us at a time. We had two or three lodges at a time. And it was absolutely brilliant for our kids because they just got used to the in and out of um, not just our family life, but other people coming in, other adults. So practically, it was really useful for babysitting. <laughs> but, you know, the people, the students and the singles who lived with us, hopefully they also really enjoyed being around us and having some proper home-cooked meals. And it was great to share things, you know, like when you're trying to work out, have I made the right decision or this is going on at home with the kids or at school. It wasn't just Howard and I. And, you know, it was great that we were a team, but we had a whole range of really good friends that we could share stuff with. Um, so I think that's invaluable. And it's, it's not about having a big house. Even if you've got a small house, it's big enough for your family. You can always invite people around for food. So we did a lot of having people around for meals because you think everybody needs to eat. And I think we're good at doing that here, aren't we? We share lives. We don't just meet on a Sunday. We meet during the week. So we'd often have people, extra people around for dinner. So I was always cooking more than we actually needed. Um, and I think that was really good for the kids. Um, we didn't just invite people around for Sunday lunch. They came around during the week. They joined us for the kids' birthdays. They joined us when we went out on our many walks. We've been on holiday with lots of different people. Um, it's not that we never had just Kellett time, because we did, and that's important. But we, I don't know, we, we love people, and we saw the benefit of that. Um, you know, so as people became good friends of ours, we were then able to, the ki they became good friends with the kids, and we were able to then say, can you help us with our kids? It's very difficult when people have opinions about your children when you feel like they don't really know them. But when you know people really love your children and love you, then it's much easier to hear, um, you know, maybe a bit of encouragement or a bit of warning. Um, so when our boys were very young, um, Howard started doing a thing called Dads and Lads, where every Easter holiday, they, this is when we lived in Manchester, they used to go camping in the lakes. And various guys used to go. And initially, it was a single guy who we were really good friends with in Manchester. And it was just the four of them, Howard and Jono and Zach and Joth, who were sort of the age that they were in that blue school photo. And then that grew, and other guys and sons joined in. And it became a much bigger thing. And my boys... 
um, when they were young, they, I mean, Jono was just an adult to them, but as they got older and became teenager, he became, teenagers, he became a really good friend. And Andy Allen, who many of you will know who's moved up to London, um, he, he joined us in Manchester as a student and he then took on the youth work and he was in our house loads and he's become a really good uh, friend to our kids. So I guess when your children are little, you need practical help from other people. As your children get older, they need um, more emotional support from other people as they're weaning themselves off you as parents. You want them to have really good friends and, you know, church provides that. Um, yeah, so there's been times when Andy, quite recent, well, I think when Zach was 18, something happened. Zach was just a very sort of, I'm right, 18-year-old and did something which really offended Andy and Vic. And, um, and the next day, it was round at our house, we were having a meal with them, and the next day, Andy really called Zach out. And, um, and Zach, you know, was a bit like, Ugh. but he knew that Andy really loved him and we had many years of friendship with him. And um, now we're able to look back and think, oh, Zach, what a brat you were. And, but how great that Andy was able to call him out and that it didn't make Zach go off in a huff forever and that it's kind of helped mature his character. Um, so that doesn't just happen, that takes years. And he's in their church now. Oh, and Zach is now living with Andy and Vic, so it can't have been that awful. Oh, Sunday sport. Oh, um, yeah, so... We have always prioritised gathering on a Sunday. I know Sunday isn't the only time that we express church, but it is a really special time of corporately being together. Our kids were all very sporty, and unfortunately in the UK, increasingly sport is expressed on a Sunday, which meant that we needed to make choices and say, actually, guys, we really want you to be good at sport, and we were fully behind that. But actually, even more importantly than that, we really want you to be part of the church family here. So that meant on occasions having to say no to stuff. And I think the boys, when we moved here, they, they were teenagers and they really wanted to be into rugby. And unfortunately, rugby was always on a Sunday, so they just never did. Well, they did school rugby, but they could never progress. And I kind of felt, you know, bad about that. But, but actually, I don't think the kids have suffered um, you know, even when they're young, parties always seem to be on Sunday mornings, don't they? And I think you've just got to, you know, make your choice. Um, it's, not, it's not wrong to miss church, and there are special times and special friends when that's okay. But, you know, create that good habit that your kids want to come with you on a Sunday. There have been times when all of our kids haven't wanted to come to church there have been times when I haven't wanted to come to church with our kids. I think all I do is spend my time out in the creche. I never am into worship um, or very little. I never hear the preach. I guess when you're church planting, your husband is always on duty on a Sunday, so we could never share the childcare. I was... did Yeah, anyway, I did, child, um, I did kids' work for years. Um, but I, I thought, no, I am still part of this community people need to know people need to share it with me but I need to be here with people and even if it's a snatch conversation it's better to be here because I am part of this community and I want to join it be part of it um, even if I feel like oh it's a bit of a frustrating phase um, talk and talk often we wanted our kids to be open with us um, I must say Howard is much better at this than me 
probably surprise, surprise. Um, he's not phased by talking about anything. And um, I think when I grew up, church was very much um, separated from the culture, separated from popular culture, definitely. So I didn't go to parties. I wasn't very cool. Everyone knew I was a Christian because I looked very square and I wasn't allowed to go to certain things. And I think we didn't want our kids to be known as Christians for the wrong reasons. We thought we want our kids to, kids to fully engage with friendships and what's going on, sport and fun, but we want them to have different values so that they can say no to stuff and say, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to get drunk? Why would you... What's going to happen if you're sleeping around and blah, blah? So we didn't just have a list of rules and said no. We tried to say, why... Why do you think people behave like that? What do you think might happen? So we just had very open, frank talks, mostly over dinner, but obviously kids want to chat at the most inconvenient times, like when you're trying to put them to bed and, or really late at night when you're wanting to go to bed. Um, but we just had a very open dinner table and would chat about all sorts and just try and get the kids to talk to us about what was going on in their world we wanted to be a step ahead so that they didn't pick up values from the playground. I mean, now it's all on your phone, isn't it? It's social media. Our kids, you know, we didn't... Phones weren't really around, certainly in primary school when our kids were young. I know it's very different um, now. The pressures are even... Um, are there even, uh, at even younger age. Um, but I think being ahead of the game, not being frightened by, oh, what's going on? And But equipping your kids so that they don't hear things firstly from a load of strangers who quite frankly will put things in a very different view to you um, but talk and you know make them feel like actually being a Christian isn't a load of things that you can't do actually Jesus way is the best way it's there to protect us it's there to um, you know okay delaying gratification particularly about sex can be a bit hard one when you're a teenager but you think you've got the rest of your life and what's the pressure and rush. So we had those kind of talks a lot. Right. Okay, that kind of overlaps a little with, it's fine, nice, it overlaps a little bit with, with the next point in terms of don't let the culture parent your kids. Because actually, if you're not, uh, if you're not, uh, you know, if you become a parent, if you're a parent now, if you're a mum now, you know, the, the, the culture is parenting your kids. Or if you, we'd put it in church sense, the culture is discipling your kids. You know, through what they watch, through, through, through uh, the friends, what, what's taught at school. There's a whole thing about, like, should this be taught at school and that be taught. All the time, the culture's discipling your kids. And you can have two responses. You can say, are we going to completely hide from culture? And that's what happened to Naomi. That's what happened to my family. You know, I wasn't allowed to go watch James Bond when I was 14, 15, like, you know, because some of the stuff that happened in James Bond. And, and I think, you know, you've got to make choices about what happens in, uh, you know, what you kids see and what you don't see and stuff. But we were always thinking, okay, well, they're going to see those kind of things. So we want to be, be ahead of the game. Uh, and we want to have them confident to live out in the world with, with values so that they would come back and say, so what is a homosexual then, Dad? You know, what does it mean to be gay? Or they'd come back and say, um, you know, how can you believe that God created the world in six days? It doesn't seem stupid. And we talk about it and, and, they, and they'd talk about, you know, that anything was allowed. There was no off limits. If they said, I've just been doing this, a, a, you know, a fifth form, sixth form party. We did, the first reaction wasn't like, no way. The first reaction was, that's really interesting. Thank you for telling us about it. 
So that, because we wanted them to talk to us. And we wanted them to say, okay, now think, what might, what might, if you get into that situation again, how might you do it? So I guess that's the next point in terms of what we try to do is to gospel our kids. We try to teach them how to live the, the, the gospel life out there. Now, when we first started to do it, it was like a nightmare. We used to have this thing called Bible time. Uh, uh, you know, and you think, well, you know, good Christian families, what you're supposed to do is you kind of open the Bible, and so you'd, do, you'd wait till after dinner, and you'd open the Bible and say, right, we're going to read from the kids' Bible. And all the kids, our kids just were laughing at everybody. They, they'd turn the Bible and say, beard, he had a beard, beard. Even the women had beards in this kid by beard, beard, beard. And they'd just laugh about that. And I'd go, no, no, just listen. And then, they'd, you know, Joe from a big fighting pushing Damaris and Damaris, and then there'd be, I mean, it's all like all the demons kind of, kind of all manifested every time. We, we'd just say, right, we're going to open the Bible. And, ah! <laughs> you know, so we thought, that is not working. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm trying to show them about grace, and I'm saying, shut up! <laughs> Listen to the Word of God! <laughs> you, know, it's like, you know, Jesus really loves you! <laughs> yeah. And so what, what, what we're doing, we're counterintuitively making them think that if they, obeyed the, if they knew the Bible and obeyed the rules, that's what made them a follower of Jesus. And we know that knowing the Bible and obeying the rules isn't what makes you a follower of Jesus. And so we worked really hard. Naomi was much better at this. But we worked really hard to make sure that they weren't earning our acceptance. You know, so I was, you know, so I'm too terrible. The kids would come back and say, I got A. And I go, why not A star? And then we go, just leave them. You know, leave them be. How did you do in a class? Comparison, you know, I'm, I, and as if like they, I love them if they do well and, and didn't love them as, if they didn't do well. And, and, and that's not the gospel, is it? So we, so we talked a lot about this and it's like, no, just accept them, appreciate them. That doesn't mean there were no boundaries and no values and no rules, but we're basically saying, okay, we want them to understand grace. So we talk to them often about forgiveness and that forgiveness costs, and they'd be kind of justification. Well, Jotham, I'd say, well, Damaris did that, and Jotham said, Joth did that, and there'd be the kind of this trade-off, and you say, well, actually, it, it costs you. I know you've been hurt, but it costs you to say sorry. You know, and as they got older, they'd understand that forgiveness costs, and they'd, they'd ultimately, I, I think they've all got their own faith, understand that, that you know, forgiveness costs Jesus' life. And so we try not to just say, do this, do this, do that, do the other, so that we try to get this balance between, uh, not legalism, it's not about doing the rules. You know, so when we were saying go to church, we weren't saying Christians go to church because you get brownie points. We're going to church because actually this is a community of people we love and, you know, and we want to love Jesus. And although we want to be great at sport, we want to be great at loving Jesus. And we try to tell them why rather than just these are the rules. And, and, and we, you know, we, we wouldn't encourage license. So, but gradually, as they got older, we'd, to start with, there were non-negotiables. You will stay in your bed. Or you will eat all your food. You know, we weren't negotiating with our kids when they were young. But as they got older, we'd, we'd, try, and ex- we'd try and explain, okay, this is what happens if you go and, and you go and sleep around with somebody. This kind of, it's like a sticky kind of post-it note. You stick it on and pull it off and stick it on and pull it off. In the end, you can't form a relationship. You know, and then I remember talking to them about pornography when they're like 14, about what happens and how it's destructive. And, 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 and you know, people say, you're having those conversations with them? But if they brought it up, we're going to talk about it. And sometimes we're going to talk about it before they bring it up. So we try to, to gospel our kids and uh, to do that. Okay, right, a couple more. 
Moses has got one, and then I've got a short one. Okay, there's a great book by an American author called Brenny Brown called Daring, Daring Greatly. And that it says, How the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. And there's a brilliant quote in here. It's quite long, which I think Howard's read before. Um, okay, it says... We would love a colour-coded parenting handbook that answers all our unanswerable questions, comes with guarantees and minimises our fears. We want to know that if we follow certain rules and adhere to the methods espoused by this or that parenting expert, then our children will sleep through the night, be happy, make friends, achieve professional success and stay safe. However, who we are and how we engage with the world are much stronger predictors of how our children will do than what we know about parenting. Teaching our children to live bold lives of integrity, love and faith isn't so much are you parenting in the right way as it is are you the adult that your child wants to grow up to be. Great. So I think we've found that really inspiring us having to be the adults our kids want to be and I think parenting pushes all your buttons it certainly did mine particularly you know different buttons when they're small and it's physically so challenging as they get older emotionally challenging I must say don't dread having teenagers um you know, people are so fearful. It's great. I loved having teenagers. It was challenging, and you have to kind of gear up. But, um, you know, it's great fun. Um, yeah, so it pushes all your buttons, you know, and it just revealed to me how utterly selfish I was, how impatient I was, how angry I got, how little self-control I had, how I found forgiveness really hard, how I had ridiculous expectations of my kids and of myself. Um, so it's like a really exposing time, particularly when you're alongside other children who seem to be... Um, I mean, everyone's different characters. The fact that ours were very out-there characters, if there was something wrong, if they were misbehaving, it was very obvious. Which, when they were younger, I found really hard. I am grateful now because it's meant that none of them stuff stuff and pretend they're sorted but it's really exposing when your child is the one who's loud and other parents are complaining about and it's really obvious they're having a strop. I remember going to watch Jotham do cross-country when he was in sixth form and he was a very good runner but um, couldn't quite cope with pressure. So I'm a, a good runner and I was like, come on, Jotham. I thought this is my one child who's going to be a good runner and we can, you know, run together. Um, so he's running around St Edward's School and... I'm like, come on, Joe, come on. I'm like racing across the field every time he comes around. And he just goes, shut up, mum, as he's running. <laughs> and, and there's all these like, you know, Cheltenham parents. <laughs> and I just felt like, oh, Joe. Um, but, you know, bless him. If he was feeling ticked off with me, he would say, and, you know, he's learning to express strong emotions in a mature way, but um, it was all out there. Anyway, um, it, it is very exposing, and it, it brings out things in you that you think, oh, gosh, I didn't even know it was there. But rather than 
dig a hole and want to die, which I did lots of times, I think let's face who we are, let's face those things, that, those buttons that have been pressed, and let's bring them to God. Yeah. I mean, he knows the pressures we're under. You know, he did create families not to be the complete ruin of mothers. It is meant to be a place of blessing, but a place of growth for all of us. And I guess that's what's brilliant about being in community. You're not just facing these challenges on your own. So having really good friends um, and saying, oh, you know, I've just messed up again. I've lost it again. I've been really harsh. I haven't forgiven. I've, you know, all of those stuff that it's very easy to do. Um, so be that person, you know, keep bringing it to God and saying, God, please change me, please help me. And, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes years. You know, we're not trying to get to perfect by the time our kids are at secondary school. We're all on that journey, aren't we? But I think we both, as individuals, as a couple, as a family, we're just like, we're trying to equip our kids, not just to go in and out into the world and have brilliant jobs. We're trying to equip them to love Jesus, to be totally in touch with themselves, to be aware of, you know, self-awareness is a big value of mine, to be aware of who they are, but to allow God to change them and to be walking by his spirit so that some of those family things that we've all inherited um, in God's grace and in his timing can begin to drop away. Great. Brilliant. Thanks, Nays. So just, just to underline that, we people have said you, what you move to plant a church when your kids are teenagers that is a dumb thing to do what you move to inner city manchester when your kids are young from suburban london that is a dumb thing to do and and you know and everything that, that the society would tell us is like okay that means your kids are going to be messed up and they're not going to be balanced and they're not going to love jesus they're going to rebel but we've honestly tried and, and you know man we've 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 made mistakes we, we've had to apologize to our kids confessed to our kids. When they were older, I told them about my backsliding. They were, Damaris said, cried, she said, I thought you were perfect. And I thought, Damaris, wake up, smell the coffee. Jesus is the perfect one, it ain't me. You know, we've, we've confessed and we've said that, but we've tried to live large for Jesus. And what was so lovely is I was with a bunch of leaders uh, uh, over the week, and um, so these are leaders of other churches that I'm helping and stuff like that. And we went around and did this kind of honoring moment where they said nice things about you, which I've recorded, and if you doubt that I'm nice, I'll play it to you. But there was one little bit that just made me really cry. A guy called Andrew Sampson, who leads a church down in Truro, he said, I saw you with your eldest son when you went to DC, because Naomi couldn't come because her mum was dying of cancer, and so I took Zach instead to, to a conference. And he said, I saw you with your eldest son, and I just thought, the way those two get on is great. The way they talk, the way they get on, have fun, and the way that Zach was like all out for Jesus. He said, you know, he said, I want my kids to be like that. And I thought, we've made mistakes, but we've definitely put the main thing, the main thing. And I just want to encourage you that, 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 you know, the send them well is the last point, is that, that actually, what do you want for your kids? If you are a kid, which is all of you, what do you want? You know, our kids have gone to good universities, and, and I've pushed for that, and, I, and our kids have got good jobs, and we wanted them to have good boyfriends, girlfriends. We wanted, you know, my, Damaris was a big netball player. Jotham run nationally in cross country. They've, they've not like they've not achieved anything, but that hasn't been our main thing. Our main thing is I won't sacrifice anything we've ever done, churches we've planted together, things that we've had, if my kids don't run after Jesus. And so we've prioritized running after him and, and by the grace of God, 
they're doing that. They're not sorted, you know, but, but I just want to encourage you. God's in your corner. I just want to pray. Or do you want to pray next? Father, we just pray. Lord, we thank you for, for mothers here in the trenches, feeling, oh, I'm terrible, I can't do it. Feeling like, oh, if I knew the answers, if there were some secrets. Lord, I just pray that we would, be as parents, as families, as a church community, seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and we trust that you will add to us great kids who become great mothers and fathers themselves and live for you. Amen. Amen. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.